and welcome to the To Mom podcast. My name is Valerie Propsfeld. Please join me as we encourage mothers to live their verb while also practicing self-grace. The goal of this podcast is to promote love as an action and live life more authentically. Just think about it. In five generations from now, you will have approximately 30 descendants and the number keeps getting larger and larger. We have more power as moms than we realize. Motherhood, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world. I'm so excited to have my guest here with me today. His name is Aaron Washburn, and he teaches emotional regulation to reduce and reverse burnout. And he's just an amazing guest, and I'm so thrilled to have him on the show. So welcome, Aaron. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Valerie. Really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, Aaron, uh, tell us about yourself and your story. Okay. Um, so as I tell my story, it's going to really connect everything together of why I'm teaching it and uh, what the process is by teaching it and how impactful it is. So let's say I if I remember, I was 15, 16 years old. And I'm going to bring this bring all the way back to my high school days. I was just leaving class. And when I was walking home to my apartment uh, after class, my parents asked me to come into their room. And so when I walked in, I uh, heard my parents ask me to come into the room. I walked into the room. And when I did, it just felt heavy in there. Nothing like I felt before. So my mom was in the bathroom, and to this point, my dad was to the left of me, and I was looking at my mom, and she wasn't really looking at me. And when I looked over to my dad, who was to my left, and it took him about a couple seconds, a couple minutes, to be able to find that courage of telling me what they had to tell me. And when he did, he said, hey, Aaron, your mom has been diagnosed with lung cancer. And at the time, I didn't really know what that meant. But when he said it, I felt what he meant. And it just felt like death left his mouth. And after he told me that, um, everything just went inaudible. I kind of felt a little queasy. And I sat down. And then fast forward a couple months. The timeline's still very, uh, not too detailed in my head because I kind of pushed that memory out. Um, but as we fast forward, my mom went through the stages of lung cancer. And the night before the significant part happened, mind you that her whole left side was completely numb. Her whole left side was completely numb. You could just hear her breathing, but she was gargling of all the stuff that was in her lungs. And she was just laying there, the oxygen tank was keeping her alive. And somehow, some way, she was able to find the strength and called myself, my brother, and my dad over to her to get what felt like her last hug. And it was a very powerful hug. It was a very tight hug, even though her arm was completely numb. And then when the next day came along, it just felt like she wasn't actually here. It just felt like her body was here. And her eyes 
were gone, swelled up in the back of her head, and the oxygen tank was just keeping her alive. And then my dad decided to finally um, call it to let her go in her peace. And I was at the end of her bed, just watching my mom just take these shallow breaths. And my dad was standing up, and my brother was above next to her head. And when my dad ended up pulling the plug, she took her last breath. I watched her take her last breath. And my mom, all the way up until this point, has been stressed. Uh, she was working three jobs as a nurse. I meant to say that as well. And at this point, when at the end, when she took her last breath, uh, I surprisingly didn't cry. And I remember just having to call my uncle telling him that she passed because my dad couldn't do it. My dad couldn't be there for me or us because uh, he was dealing with his own process of seeing her pass as well. So I always just felt like I was a bad son for not crying over my mom's passing. And I just questioned myself for years and years. And when she did, for the following eight years, yeah, because she passed in 2012. For the following eight years after that, I was just in a very deep state of depression. And the only thing that was that I was able to cope with is working out, but it only lasted for so long because I was coming from a state of depression. And my, my whole family just split up. It just, like, we felt like we were in the house living together, but not living together. So I was just in a deep state of depression. And I would work out to feel better or find my demons and um or find my negative emotions so to speak and then there was one point in 2020 where i meditated for an hour not knowing what that was going to give me but i just did it to quiet my mind for the first time i was doing a lot of entrepreneurial stuff and really learning about myself but when i meditated i meditated for an hour and i had this surge of energy flow out through my entire body I just started crying and crying out of like I was high off of life. And then for one whole week, I was high off of life. And then I got, I got hit with depression again. I was like, whoa, where is this coming from? And I think this is Albert Einstein's quote. He says, you cannot solve the same problem with the same level of thinking that created them. And in that moment, I realized like, okay, so I got hit with this depression again. Let me go work out to feel better. Okay. Let me go take a nap to feel better. But I just kept feeling worse. And then this time I was like, okay, this is not working. This is not working. Um, I closed my eyes and I heard this voice say, all right, stay still. So I did. I stayed still. And then all of a sudden I just started crying. All these emotions just started pouring out of me. I was just uncontrollably crying. And then my stomach and my chest got tight. And then this memory came back. So I felt triggered. I started crying. This memory came back of my 17-year-old self on the same bed where I saw my mom take her last breath again. But this time was different. I was able to view it from my, from third person, and it was like I shifted from that into my 17-year-old self again, and I just felt like I was just, I actually was able to cry, grieve over my mom. And when I did, it's just like, it felt real in my body. Like my body was experiencing it during its time. And then as I was crying, finally able to grieve over my mom, it's like my perspective shifted back into my present body, seeing my 17-year-old self 
cry over my mom, but this time I was able to be the parent to myself, to my child, that he needed during that time. So I, I just felt prompt to walk over to my 17-year-old self, and I said, I see you, I hear you, and I love you. And I gave myself the tightest hug, the same hug she gave me that night before. And I said, it's okay, it's not your fault, you're allowed to feel this way. You're allowed to finally be with your mom, and you're safe, and you're loved. And when I did that, I, it's like I looked into my 17-year-old self's eyes from crying, and that grief that he felt, and that despair. And I looked in his eyes, and he felt loved, he felt okay, he felt like everything was going to be okay. And then it took like a whole hour to process all that, but when my eyes opened, my whole reality shifted, my whole life changed. I saw the world differently. Every single holiday that came up after that, I was no longer angry or depressed. I was coming from a place of compassion and love. So my mom worked three jobs as a nurse. I don't know how she did it. And she got lung cancer. And when she did, she passed. And I was in a state of depression for a long time. I'm no longer depressed. I no longer have any of those uh, anxiety or fear or anything like that. And because of those moments, I was able to understand how the mind and the body works together to be able to, let's say, go back in time, reshift or shift that memory that causes a butterfly effect. And then ever since I learned that, I've been, um, it feels like I've been attracting nurses for the last three years to be able to help them with their fitness goals, which turn into connecting them with their mind and body to help them regulate their emotions. So that way I'm not left with 1% of my mom when she comes home. So that way your body is not taking a toll from the stress that you're feeling. So that way you can start reestablishing the reason why you became a nurse and um, a deeper connection with yourself. So that way you can live healthier, feel empowered, reduce a reverse burnout. And if you have kids, be there for your kids in a way that you probably couldn't imagine, especially if you've been a nurse for a long time, because it takes a toll on you. So that is my story, and that's the reason why I started teaching emotional regulation, because I have a deep compassion on it. And I started learning through hypnosis, hypnotherapy, neurolinguistic programming, and body language translations. Uh, so that's my story, and I'm deeply, deeply passionate about it. Thank you. That's beautiful, Aaron. That's Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. I mean, I truly do. So we were talking before <clears throat> before we started recording, and I kept talking about the sunlight. And I, I noticed, like, um, the sunlight keeps hitting my face. I'm like, let me move this around. But you know what? As you were telling your story, I almost felt like it was the sunlight is coming from your mom. Like, I don't know. Like, our listeners may not be able to. Oh, wow. Like, just, I feel like just the sun. I'm like, I can't get away from the sunlight. But then, like, as you were talking, I'm like, gosh, I feel like it's really, it's your mom with us when you're sharing your story. And she is with you. And I know that she's proud of you for working with nurses, with moms. And, um, you know, it, I know our listeners can't see that, but I mean, there is like, um, you know, just, I do feel like, um, you know, whenever we have our, our loved ones and, and all they're, they're still with us. Um, and so I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. Um, wow. now Erin, I feel like you focus 
on nurses. Um, but also, um, these techniques can be applicable for really anyone, right? I mean, like deep breathing, positive affirmations. Um, I, I feel like every time I listen to you, I mean, I am a nurse, but also like if I had like one of my you know mom friends or anyone, my husband or whatever, that can be helpful. Um, so what, um, what is it or how do you um, encourage people to do these type of things? Like, how do we deep breathe? How can we get in the habit of saying these type of affirmations or um, kind of connecting with our body and with our emotions? Because, you know, there's that fight or flight, which we can talk about in a few minutes. But I feel like so many times my brain is not, you know, my brain when I'm in my, my fight, flight, or freeze mode. So how can I do mm. that? I think just by being able to encourage someone that is in that fight, flight, or freeze, there's that sense of uh, disconnection that they don't feel like they have the power to control what they're actually feeling in fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. So the beautiful thing is that if you don't know what you're actually feeling, then it can be hard to control your emotions, right? Because someone might feel angry, but what actually is going on, the underlying emotion might be sadness. So if someone is fight, flight, or freeze, what I love to teach is what feelings actually show up in your body to be able to have, okay, so this is what I'm feeling. I have a body language coach. His name is Brian Johnson. And he, his body language coach of his three, his name is Robert Tyson Stevens. And he found over the last 30 years that if you're in fight, flight, freeze, you know, you're in the red zone. You're going off of past experiences on how to react. You, you can't access those new resources. So what I encourage is in that moment, you have to step into your courage. Because if you keep allowing those emotions to take over you, then you're going to keep reconditioning your body, that same pattern. But if you're able to step into your courage, I think her name is Alexandra. She says, it doesn't take time. It takes courage to do this type of work. And when you step into your courage and you interrupt that pattern inside fight, flight, freeze, and breathe into your belly, and then just say out loud, I give myself permission to feel my feelings and it's okay. But if you feel resistance there, you say you, as if you're talking to your child or in a dialogue with yourself, you are allowed to feel your feelings in my body. And that encourages them because as soon as they start to know what's going on inside of their body, then they have a connection with themselves and what the neurology can work with. It can do a lot better for them to be able to shift what they're actually feeling. So the way I encourage them is to understand what's going on in their body when they're feeling emotions. So if someone is feeling a lot of sadness, but they're feeling angry at first, I give myself permission to feel my feelings and it's okay. Sadness, sorrow, and grief will often show up in your throat or they will show up um, underneath your belly or uh, above your belly button. And when they actually give themselves permission to feel it, the body's like, okay, you feel tightness here and here. Then they can start saying, I give myself permission to feel my sadness towards whatever's happening in my life and it's okay. So the way I encourage them, what I found is a lot easier when they're fight, flight, or freeze, and even for myself, is to be able to identify what they're feeling inside of their body. 
they'd be like, okay, so I'm feeling tightness in my chest. And it gives them a step-by-step process to do it. Because I could sit here and say, okay, um, you could breathe into your stomach and fight, flight, and freeze. But if you're in a very reactive state, that could be really, really hard to do. So um, being able to identify what's actually going on in your body helps them feel empowered to actually make some change and encourage them more to do it now that they know what they're actually feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You had said something about when you regulate your emotions or like with regulating emotions, when you, um, if you bury your feelings, it's like burying them alive. Um, and the feeling never dies. I thought that was so powerful. Can you talk with us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So you're mentioning that there's a point where you feel all those emotions and the emotions are like, yeah, which is very, very true. And, um, in those moments, you're going to want to fight, flight, or freeze. But every time we do that, because we don't want to express in front of people, or cry in front of people. I'm getting better at it, crying in front of people, or whatever expression, or expression that I want to express, is whenever we bury our emotions, it stays active in our body unconsciously. And the longer you do it, the less aware you are mm. of it. So if you, if you bury your emotions, and you're burying them alive, it never dies. It just stays there. It's active somewhere in your body. And let's say that you're not feeling your grief for a long time. You're going to have some sort of emotional or physical pain in your body. Emotions are energy in motion. You said it. It was like a river, right? So the river is always moving. And then you put like this um, this plank inside the river and it's just going to keep pouring over, but it's going to be even harder and harder and, and when you're not feeling it imagine that you put that block somewhere in your body where grief might show up in your small intestines the longer you don't feel it and it's still active right there then that small intestine is going to go from at ease to dis-ease and possibly might come up with Crohn's disease but when you start that process that grief that's active in there that you're not aware of then you finally able to take that grief and turn it into love and energy is energy in motion you can't destroy energy you can't create energy you can transmute it you can transfer it and knowing that law right there you're able to understand how everything works and here's an analogy that um, um, dr dan woodruff he he owns vibrated away he said that um, the physical body is like ice Okay, so if I have a physical pain in my body, if I'm not feeling my emotions, if you read this book called um, The Body Keeps the Score, it explains this in there as well, where if you're not feeling your emotions, it can manifest somewhere in your body. Uh, let's say I had this, um, or I did have this client, her name is Kathleen, she loves to share this, is that she had knee pain in her left knee. Okay? And when I'm doing violence translations, I understand what that knee pain in her left knee is coming from, but I'm not going to tell her. And as she was talking, she was like, so much anger towards her sister, so much anger towards her her daughter. And then we went through this forgiveness system. That energy, that ice, the energy moved in her body, that physical manifestation moved in her body into her throat. Now she feels sadness forgiving her sister, forgiving her daughter. And that ice turned into water. And when it turned into water, it started flowing, the emotions started going through the body, and then the water you know, if it turns into steam, then that's the thoughts. 
So it's like kind of like I'm reversing it in the body where if you don't feel your emotions and you bury it alive, it's, it doesn't die. Where it finds some part in your body to store there. And when it does, when you elicit those emotions and give yourself permission to feel it, you give that permission for that energy to move somewhere in your body, which your body's like a translate or your body's like a dashboard in the car. It lets you know what's going on. So it went from ice to water to steam. Steam are your thoughts. And it's kind of like how the world is too with the, um, the physics. And then you've got the emotions, the water, and then you, it turns into that steam. So if you don't feel your emotions, it's going to come years and years down the road. It's going to turn into a behavior. It's going to turn into somewhere inside of your body where it needs to be stored. Um, but you're projecting, you're projecting something from you, from the emotion that you're not feeling. And eventually you're going to have to deal with it or it's going to impact some parts of your life. And if you're going to continue not to feel it, it's going to make you feel stress. And when you feel stress, your body's going to take impact because your immune system shuts down when you're stressed. So that's what I meant by um, my body language coach saying that if you bury your, your emotions um, alive, they never die um, because they're still active. And just one more way of answering this is if imagine that your kids ran up to you See, my daughter ran to me, and she's just crying and crying. And I turn my back on her, and I walk away. That's what we do with our emotions. She's going to continue crying, and she probably won't feel loved. So what is our first response when our kids run up to us? Is we want to give her a hug. We want to see her. We want to feel her. We want to love her and just let her feel. And then what happens after that? We feel more connected with her. Um, your kid, she feels more connected with me. But if I don't let her feel and if I don't help her feel safe by feeling those emotions, then we're going to have a disconnect the same way we have a disconnect in our body. Every time that we feel a negative emotion and we suppress it, we feel more disconnected from ourselves and we lose ourselves. And then we start to think that when those emotions come back up, that's who we are. And then that becomes a behavior. And then you just keep questioning, okay, I lost myself. So that's what can happen in those ways. If, if we don't respond the same way we do with our children when they run up to us and we give them a hug, the same way we should do for ourselves, then we're going to have a disconnection with ourselves. Then we'll start to feel lost. Wow, that is so powerful, everything you said. Oh, my gosh. Um, I totally, like, that makes so much sense, running up for a hug and if you're going to turn away from your emotions or embrace your emotions and um, wow, that's powerful. I write about with PTSD, um, this German shepherd that bit my arm when I was on a walk and um, I wanted to leave the situation. I wanted to get out of its jaws essentially. And it was only for a second, but it time slowed down. I didn't feel any pain. Um, but then whenever I saw a German shepherd after that, I went right back to those feelings, to that emotion. And I had like that phantom pain in my wrist. Um, and it's similar to when you have those type of trauma. Um, I know like with, for me at least, like when I was in the NICU, every time like I go to a hospital, like I was saying earlier, or a doctor's visit, I'll get those feelings again. Um, and I would sometimes like snap like the, um, the dog because I'm in a 
fight, flight, or freeze response. So like maybe I want to argue with someone. Maybe I want to, you know, I'm frustrated, so I'm going to snap. Or I want to run away. Like it just um, – and then also just um, comparing to dogs, I – we have our own crazy dog, which ironically is part German Shepherd, which is very sweet. And um, she looks like a little, like, I don't know, like a little American Eskimo dog. Uh, her name's Juno, and she gets sprayed by skunks, and she's a total nut. But she's <laughs> she's like a very sweet dog. But anyway, the other day she wanted to stay outside, and I kept calling her name, and with the tone I kept saying Juno, like in a in a harsh tone. And she, you could tell, was like, "I'm not coming with you. I don't like your tone. I'm feeling, mm. I'm not feeling safe right now." And it was just with the tone part, and you know, I don't know what got into her or whatever, because she normally will come, and she, you know, but you could tell she just didn't feel safe. Um, so then I just like. I don't know, relaxed my body language. And I'm like, well, let me try and be nice to her and like embrace Juno. And like, and um, she, and I said, Juno, you need to come inside, you know, come on in. And then she just came, you know, then she, then she walked in. So anyway, these are just kind of random thoughts that I thought of. Yeah. And for your dog, whenever that happens is um, just for our kids as well. And dogs, they're, they're very empathetic. They yeah. can feel our unconscious energy. So if you're coming from a place of not feeling safe based off your past experience, your dog is going to feel that. Absolutely. Where he's a reflection of you not feeling safe. So when you change up your tonality and your voice, you change your body language. When you change your posture, you change your psychology. Yep. And it works in both ways. So when you did that, then he felt safe. But what happens if the dog comes back or some dog similar brings back that past memory? Mm -hmm. And Dr. David Snyder, uh, he says that, it's not what happened to us in the past that made us who we are today. It's what it's how we recorded those things that happened to us in the past that made us who we are today. So if it was the way we recorded that event, we attached a meaning to it, then what if we change that recording as well? And the way we change that recording is understanding these three concepts, which ties back to my story with my mom of how I was able to change that recording of how I see my mom pass from grief into love. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go over these three concepts because that would be the first step into understanding. Um, my background is in hypnosis and violence translation. I'm not a healthcare professional, just letting you know. So um, when I'm saying this, always consult with your doctor and healthcare provider. But the three concepts are number one is your mind cannot tell the difference between something you imagine or your future or something in your past your memories there is no future it's just your imagination there is no past it's just your memories so any image that i hold in my head my body is going to respond to it in real time whatever image you hold in your head whatever movie you hold in your head your body is going to respond to it in real time and it did so when i saw my mom pass away again in my mind's eye i felt it in my body as if i was still there and then concept number two was I got to be the parent to my child that my child needed during that time, which if I'm going back as a parent to my child during that time, I reframe that memory from grief into love. And now that I feel loved and more of a compassion for myself during that time, then I reframe that memory causing concept number three, a butterfly effect. 
So if I go back in the past and this pen was right here and I move that pen, the future changes. So in the future changes by, I no longer have those reactions that no longer serve me anymore. So if on my holidays, when I'm reactive, like, because my mom, like, we had so much fun during the holidays. When the holidays came by, before I regulated my emotions, I was always angry at the world. I hated the world. And then when the holidays came, two years ago when I was, when I'm with Chantel, I'm still with Chantel, um, I was always angry. I was mean to her during the holidays. And she couldn't understand right, why. And I was like, okay, I really need to tell her. I'm angry. I'm so, so angry that that the world took my mom away, that I just, I realize what it is now. And yes, I, I process that grief, you know, there's stages of grief as well. And I had the anger still in me, within that grief. And when I was telling Chantel, I just started crying, crying, crying. And then the fragments of that memory came up and I was able to process that grief or the anger. Where now every holiday, I feel compassion, I feel love. The same way if I'm helping these nurses, like I have a, um, a nurse that was a psych, psych nurse and um, I helped her process some things that just came up for her where now if somebody, a patient is yelling at her, where that patient reminded her of her dad yelling at her, her unconscious response of angry back at her or not feel seen, heard and loved. But now in that space, when we did that together, she felt heard, seen and loved to where if that patient yells at her, she's going to come back with love and love is unbeatable, undefeated. And she touches the patient with love and diffuses that anger. And then the patient was like, whoa, now I feel heard, seen and loved. And I don't even feel like yelling at the next nurse or yelling at the next patient which causes a shift in the healthcare paradigm, which is what my aim is to do covertly. But when I'm helping these nurses feel seen, heard, and loved, as a byproduct, if everything starts and ends with a feeling, and I'm starting with their feelings, then they no longer have that unconscious reaction towards that patient where that patient now feels heard, seen, and loved, feels empowered, does not have to come back to the hospital as much on a subscription to medications or anything like that, where now they can touch love to other people's lives. And it's just going to keep being that domino effect. And then, and then you mentioned as well with what can nurses do in those situations, if they can talk or have some sort of pet therapy or, or have someone to talk to. Um, but what if in those moments that they have somebody, which I'm starting to find a way to implement this in the healthcare system, they have somebody to contact right away when they're feeling that because if you're not feeling it in that situation, <clears throat> even for 90 seconds, because it can only chemically last for 90 seconds, um, if you're not feeling that in that in that in that moment, and then you wait a whole week, and then you talk to your therapist, then you have to re-bring that up if it comes back up. And then if you're not regulating it, then you recondition your body to feel that same pain. If you keep going back to that same memory and feeling that same your body's experiencing again, you're going to recondition it to feel that if you're not regulating it or following those three concepts or any other methods that I might not have discovered yet. But this is the most fastest way that I found is that I have my clients use Voxer communication with me. And if they're feeling stressed out, they would hit that walkie-talkie button and be like, hey, Aaron, I'm feeling this way. I don't know what to do right now. And then I'll literally respond to them right away and be like, hey, take a deep breath in, breathe into your belly. And I'm coming from a place of love and compassion. 
if they're feeling stressed. If I'm taking care of myself, I'm all the way up here. She's all the way down here. She's naturally going to come up here just by being who I am. So this is what I love about it is because I want to implement this in the healthcare system where not only do they have to wait, but they have a team there to help them regulate their emotions in those moments where they have that fast communication instead of waiting and then suppressing it. And then they have to take that breath in and be like, okay, I, I can't feel this right now. But I also have methods for them to feel it right away if they're doing it alone. And I have a technique for each moment during your shift, before your shift, after your shift, but during your shift, it'll just buy you time um, in that moment, depending on what technique you use. So I absolutely agree with you. If they have some sort of support that they have in the healthcare system where they can find someone to help them regulate their emotions in that moment so it doesn't become um, something that they have to bring up later and only have an hour to bring that up. But takes like even the intro part maybe takes 30 minutes and then the memories come up and then they don't have time to process and they have to leave feeling awkward and um, like they weren't able to feel the shift in their body. I love that. I love that. That's great. And I think that is so helpful for nurses. And I, that is a good point of like, you don't want to wait on them for you know an hour session and all to have that in the moment. That's, that's awesome. Thank you so much for you know, really like spearheading that. Cause I think that's so important. I, you said also things are coming from your responses are coming from love. And it reminds me of, I went to Acadia recently in Maine um, and there's this beautiful pond called Jordan's pond. And um, there were some kids just throwing little rocks into the pond and um, I noticed just these huge ripples that would be produced with them. And that's what it reminds me of, of what you're doing, you know, with nurses, with moms is putting that ripple effect of like dropping that pebble of love and seeing how it spreads yeah. out. Um, and that's what we can do. We have that power. You know, there's so many things that we can't control. But the one thing that we can control is how we respond in love. And that's so important, you know, for all of us. Um, gosh, Erin, I feel like I can talk with you all day. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot. Yes, lot yeah. <laughs> how can our listeners find you, um, get more information about what you're talking about, you know, learn more about all of this? Like, what, where can we contact you? So the, the best way that I found to be the most valuable and impactful way to start doing this right away is um, I did a workshop for these nurses called Empathy Rx, and in this they're able to kind of have an introduction to mastering emotional regulation. So I teach them two techniques: it's the Abbott technique, um, and also the three-two-one technique to buy you time. Um, and maybe next time when we have another episode, I can take you through those processes so that way they can have real time on on this episode okay. um but i have that recorded and i have it as a course so that way they can have the introductory and then also understand the mind body the thoughts all the way down to the results you get in your life and how everything works from the mind body and how to regulate it so that way you have the tools for abra which is awareness breathe release realign and then appreciate which um, reframes that memory 
And even if that memory doesn't come up, this is like the fastest way to don't have to go back to that memory, but regulate that emotion without having to go back to that memory. Uh, and then three, two, one is a, a routine that you can use before your shift. So that way um, you go into your shift feeling a state of calmness. Because if you're feeling a lot of nurses I work with, they feel anxious and in fear of their next shift. So remember, if you hold an image in your head and you feel the responses in your body, feel anxiety in your body, we can still change that. So that three to one method, if you hold the image in your head and you're coming from a place of three breaths, I'm calm, relaxed, and in control, and start rubbing your arms up and down, then you're holding the image in your head. And while you do that, your body's in a state of calmness. And then that changes the image in your head to a state of calmness as well which is powerful if you continue to do that, it starts creating this uh, um, this new neural pathway from anxiety to calm. And then that new neural pathway is your new personality. I always love to get to the cause of everything so that way you don't have to fight your reaction other than being able to change that reaction to something, ability to respond. Um, so I can give you the link to that mm -hmm. course um, and they can watch that course. And then in that link from that course, they have all my other um, social media platforms where they can follow me. And as well with that, I have nurse meetups every week on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's free. And in these nurse meetups, I have my breathwork specialist with me being able to support these nurses on what they're challenged with emotionally or physically, where we can provide them that support that they need every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Um, and then... I have a Facebook group as well, where not only do I touch base with the emotions, but I have, a, uh, I wouldn't say staff, but people working with me on the physical side, the environmental side, um, mindset. So everything that nurses need, they have a one-stop shop in this Facebook group. So I really have all the support you guys need. Um, again, too, it works for moms as well. <laughs> I work with parents on this as well. So um, that's how they can find me. That's awesome. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. Um, so our listeners can check that out. And, um, you, now I, about the three, two, one, I really find that interesting. So now three, two, one, are you like kind of, is it also giving you a moment to take, like collect a breath, like three, two, one, like giving you a second, well, more than a second to, before you yeah. walk in a room. Yeah. More than a second. Yeah, because if, if we know that our mind can't tell the difference between our future or our, our imagination mm -hmm. to our past or memories, then if we hold that image in our head and that's influencing us to feel mm -hmm. anxiety in our body, if we close our eyes, breathe into your belly, I am calm, three, two more breaths, I am relaxed and I am in control, that's the three breaths, and then two would be both of your hands rubbing up and down, holding that image in your mind. And then you'll notice that as your body calms down, the image of the movie playing in your mind mm -hmm. starts to calm down. And then since your body's in real time and your mind is in real time, now they're in coherence of where your body is relaxed and your movie is relaxed in your head. And you continue to do that over the next couple of weeks. You're going to notice you're going to come into work in a more positive and more calm mm -hmm. state of mind. Because it's telling your body, like, okay, whatever the neurology creates, it accepts. So you're creating that in your body, your neurology, and it accepts it um, to know that, okay, here's a new neural pathway for you, and um, we're going to be coming from a place of calmness versus anxiousness. Oh, I love that. It's like taking one of those back roads. It's like the, yeah, yes. I love that. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I need to try that back road now of like, you know, just whenever I need, (laughs) you know, not necessarily, um, I'm not, um, you know, working in a traditional sense right now. Um, but even like when I'm just more, you know, want to yell or something, (laughs) do a three, two, one. And also it reminds me, um, when I was, performing music, um, which again, I don't do as much, but I do have an episode, um, with my accompanist that okay. Molly Sloter, she, um, was my piano accompanist when I was a music major in uh, my undergrad and we performed all the time together. And, um, you know, she talks about relaxation and body mapping and stuff like that. But it reminds me when you said that three, two, one, when I would walk on stage with her there, I remember, as clear as day, that door creaking open onto the stage. And I did do almost in my own mind a three, two, one to get into performance mode. I had to like walk Mm -hmm. out on stage and, you know, but I needed that calming moment to be able to then go out on stage. And she worked with me a lot on that. And, um, but that reminded me of that. So just, yeah, yeah. it buys you time. It really does. does And when you breathe into your belly too, it pulls on a vagus nerve and that vagus nerve uh, releases endorphins, melatonin, and serotonin. So, you know, you're releasing your endorphins, serotonin, the feel-good hormones, and then if you want to start sleeping better at night, you breathe more into your belly because you release melatonin as well. So it takes you out of that fight, fight, and freeze. I wanted to uh, say this one last thing because I wanted to give you this quote. Oh, yes. Yeah. For for the episode. So I'm going to finish off with this quote that I absolutely love. Um, The quote goes, I am not here to teach you. I am here to love you. And love will teach you. That's my quote. And that's, that was actually happening. When love is coming through me, love is teaching to every single person listening to this audio. Because I'm not coming from a place of teaching. I'm coming from a place of love. So I'm not here to teach you. I'm here to love you. And love will teach you. Wow. Can you repeat that one more time? I think that's just so powerful. Yeah. I am not here to teach you. I'm here to love you. And love will teach you. And I choose to find who said that. Because I want to give you credit for that. Because that's a powerful quote that I've... taken on with me so i love every single person listening to this audio you are loved and you are good enough and i give you permission to feel all your feelings and you can even send those negative feelings to me i can feel it for you that's beautiful that is beautiful i'm gonna take that quote and go about my day as well like that's beautiful well aaron it's been an absolute pleasure i really enjoyed getting to know you more and just everything that you're doing for us nurses, for us moms, you really truly are making a difference in the world with love one ripple at a time. Yeah. Thank you so much, Valerie. Thank you, Aaron. So much. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, you have a wonderful day and I hope all of our listeners have a wonderful day as well. And you remember are loved. Yes, thank you. Have a beautiful day, y'all.